0: living hope and a salvation and looking to jesus and remembering our salvation and obviously when we go back to the gospels we get the most up close personal view of the life and ministry of jesus um that peter is drawing from and so it's, it's a it's a great opportunity to get back to sort of the sort to the source to the source material but also we do find that peter is all over the gospels and particularly he's all over the book of matthew he plays a prominent role and we're going to see time and time again through first peter how peter seems to be reflecting back on those three years that he was with jesus and drawing from it and utilizing it and so it'll it'll give us an opportunity as we go through matthew that we will be able to focus in on some of those incidents and i think it'll help us understand first feeder um, better so so the way this works if you haven't joined us before um, we're not going to be able to cover everything in every chapter obviously Um, we'll sometimes we'll have a broad macro view sometimes we'll have a have just a smaller um you know ground level view on a particular um, issue or passage or parable it just all depends typically these times will last anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes and if you kind of lose your place, you can come back later and watch it. Um, that's what this is designed to do. These will be posted in an ongoing way. So so let me pray for us, and we'll jump into Matthew chapter 1. And by the way, I highly recommend getting the Dwell audio app. It's a Bible app. You can go to 4 on the hub, the COVID um, update section, and we are... Providing that, or it's being provided for us free uh, for a season as a church family. And there is a 30 day plan under the Dwell audio app um, called um, um, Matthew in a Month. And so, if you want to listen and track it that way, you can, or you can just read it on your own, whatever the case may be. But anyway, let me pray for us. We'll dive in. Lord, thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you for the faithfulness of Matthew. Thank you for the fact that some 2,000 years later after this, this book, this gospel was written, it has enduring impact, life-giving impact, um, because it is your word. And Lord, we come to it. We want to have a posture of humility and say, God, what do you want to teach us today? And Lord, um, pray you would give us wisdom, discernment, empower us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't go into all the historical... Um, arguments about who wrote Matthew and why and all those sorts of we will talk about why but um, we but it was for, for the longest time up until 19th century critical scholarship assumed and validated by the by the early church that Matthew in fact wrote this gospel uh, Matthew being one of the 12 disciples and then apostles he was a Jew he was a tax collector um he and, and he was probably of the tribe of levi and all those things are, are important factors for us because um there's there's a lot of internal evidence that you can see that that matthew was written by someone who was jewish it's a very jewish book dates and places and customs and verbiage and those sorts of things but a jew who also was proficient in greek and proficient in record keeping proficient in um you know being sort of a a a secular jew up until the point that he was called by christ and we see all those features at play in matthew now it's been this is just an interesting hypothesis some have supposed that matthew might have indeed been the scribe uh, for the apostles just like judas was the the treasurer the money keeper matthew might have been the scribe he could write in shorthand he could record the sayings of jesus We don't know, but it's fascinating to to think about. And it is the first gospel. And again, not to get into all the arguments about which gospels were written first and who depended upon whom, but it seems to be the testimony of the early church that Matthew was written first, and this is why it is included as the first book of the New Testament. And this is relevant on a variety of issues, that being the first gospel it's very clear that Matthew composed his Gospel as a Jewish Christian writing to other Jewish Christians um, and, and other Jews that he was trying to, to, to convert, to tell the Gospel to, to explain why Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises to be the Jewish Messiah. And when we when we when we open Matthew and it, let's look at Matthew one and we see this genealogy in front of us. Sometimes our eyes glaze over. We want to we want to fast forward down to verse eighteen in the birth of Christ. And that'd be a huge mistake here, because what Matthew is doing, he's writing self-consciously as someone who is saying, "Jews, you have been reading the Old Testament." You have been looking forward, anticipating the coming of the Messiah. Uh, You've been looking to him, but God has been silent for 400 years. And the last we heard from God and was probably, the book of Chronicles was probably the last book of the Old Testament ordered at that time. And it ends with all these genealogies, um, tracing the ancestry of the Jews back to uh, their homelands and their tribes. But here we are 400 years ago of silence and matthew very self-consciously picks up this this writing technique of beginning with a genealogy um, as if to say this is a continuation of all the old testament promises all these genealogies that that we're finding in chronicles that in the old testament Um, here we have uh, the kings of of israel being cut or judah being cut off and the line is disappeared and there is no king and we've been subjected to slavery well all of a sudden matthew says well it hasn't really been happening like that at all in fact god has been preserving the heir. god has been preserving the line of the king god has been in control while you think he's been silent he's been preserving a remnant and not only a remnant, but he's preserving a king. You think you've been without a king for 400 years, but let me trace Jesus' lineage back to you, to David, to Abraham, and I wanna show you that Jesus, in fact, is the fulfillment of the promised king, the promised Messiah. Now, I'm, I'm, you know I'm a big nerd. And so, love Lord of the Rings. You could put me in front of those movies, the extended versions, of course, and I could watch endlessly and never grow tired of it. But remember, in The Fellowship of the Ring, the very first one, Gandalf um, has sent the hobbits on this expedition um, to, um, you know, to to carry the ring on this mission. And and as they're traveling, they stop off in one of these inn and they meet this this strange. Kind of lonely figure named strider and they're asking who is this strider person and and he's they're told well, you know he's a he's a ranger from the north and what begins to happen as they get to know strider over the course of this story is they find out that he's not all that he appears to be in fact he's much more in fact he is the rightful heir um to the to the kingship of gondor and his name is really aragorn and he's been, he and his line have been hidden for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And he has been being preserved and, and Gandalf is in the process of helping him move and ascend into the throne. And of course, this is Tolkien's way of talking about the fact that, that Aragorn or Strider is a type of Christ. And this is exactly what we have here in Matthew. Matthew is wanting to say through this genealogy, listen, Israel. You think you've been without a king you're looking for a king and here i'm to tell you that god has been preserving his king and so this is why in verse verse 1 of chapter 1 first of all matthew takes us back to abraham to remind us that jesus is the fulfillment of the promises of abraham uh, to bless the nations through the seed but then he tells us that he's the son of david which means that this seed that god is going to use to save his people is going to be a king. And if you want to have an overarching theme of the book of Matthew, everything Matthew is doing is to show first century Christian Jews that Jesus is in fact the rightful king, the rightful heir to the throne of David. Now, he's not going to be a king in every way like they expect. We talked about this yesterday in 1 Peter, there's going to be both sufferings and glory. Um, but but nonetheless, that'll, that's what he's wanting to do. Now, there's several features of this genealogy which are just super encouraging super helpful to us number one we see an inordinate amount of women mentioned in this genealogy and for now that wouldn't be completely unprecedented but the the numbers the sheer numbers would be highly unusual and these are not just any women that are mentioned in this genealogy um, some of them are women of ill repute some of them are women who have sinned greatly others of them are, Are foreign women like like Ruth and Rahab the prostitute and and part of what Matthew is doing here for us is that he is preparing the way for the gospel of grace he's preparing the way to say this this gospel of the kingdom that Jesus comes into uh, his life and ministry proclaiming it's for everyone so while it begins with the Jews it doesn't end with the Jews and that this um, membership in the family of God will be by grace and grace alone, and and we see we see this when we see this 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 lineup of of characters and all the people in this genealogy that all the sin that it represents the human failings and again it's Matthew's way of saying man is unfaithful but God is always faithful. God is always working god is always moving god is always preserving even during these 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 dark centuries where god appears to be silent he hasn't been he's been working and just again what an incredible encouragement um for us um in this season to know that that god is sovereign he's on his throne that while there is suffering there's also a preparation for glory as he is working in the lives of his people. Now, as we work down through um, chapter one, we come to the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting that Luke and Matthew are the only two gospels that include birth narratives of Jesus, and both of them emphasize different aspects of Jesus's birth. Luke, who writes after Matthew, it's very obvious that his account of the birth narratives of Christ come from probably Mary herself so so while Luke was in Jerusalem and Paul was imprisoned waiting to be um, extradited to Rome Luke was scurrying around getting to know people interviewing people as he was writing his gospel Mary who pondered these things treasured them put them in her heart was undoubtedly a source for Luke and so he got a lot of so so, you know in Luke's narratives birth narratives um, we get the perspective of Mary well, in Matthew's birth narratives here, we get the perspective of Joseph. And we don't know if this is because Matthew is interviewing the brothers of Jesus. We don't know if he maybe is connected somehow to, the, to Joseph's line and relationship. We, we, don't, we don't really know. And it's not the most important thing. But what we see is that, that Matthew is keen from the very beginning to show us that the coming of jesus in the royal line is a fulfillment of prophecy that it is a divine sovereign act Um, he goes into great lengths to, to again to show here that jesus was not conceived by um the normal human way right of 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 sexual procreation that in fact that jesus was um begotten by the holy spirit in the womb of mary and that and it makes a great point of saying that Joseph knew her not, or they were not intimate until after she had given birth to a son. So, in other words, Joseph is the legal father; he's not the biological father. Now, there's um, there's a lot of you know discussion, debate um, in the Roman Catholic Church that you know was Mary was a perpetual virgin and those sorts of things, and that's and that's silly jesus in the gospels is seen as having both brothers and sisters and um that's this that's that's an argument that seems to be um, very spurious so what are application points that we can take today from matthew one number one jesus is king number two jesus is going to be a suffering king right he's not going to come in the way that we expected him to be he's coming through an obscurity he is being born of a lowly man and a woman somewhere in Judea. He is um, he, he's he's not entering the scene um, on a uh, on a on a literal physical throne. And so again, we see that this idea that Jesus is going to be a king, but he's going to be a lowly king, a suffering king. And this is a big debate in theological circles these days. This idea that that. Um, the coming kingdom is the nature of the gospel and that's what we ought to be proclaiming that Jesus is king that he's coming to set up his kingdom which is of course true however um it does us no good to proclaim a king who's coming to set up his kingdom if in fact we don't know the intentions of this king is this king at enmity with us is he at war with us um are we going to be his subjects um is he going to Um, you know is he going to carry out wrath and punishment against us or is this king coming to make a way for us to be in his kingdom And that's what we see in the book of matthew jesus is the king but he's the suffering king he dies so that we can be a part of his rule and reign And, and maybe a last little lesson here is just a reminder we can never know fully what god is up to never know fully the, the Israelites felt like God had abandoned them. He had been silent for 400 years, um, but God was anything but silent. God was anything but passive. He was moving. He was active. And um, just thinking about this season for us, this coronavirus season, and John Piper says this, you know, and I think he's right, God is never just doing one thing, okay? He's always doing a billion things at one time. And so Susan and I were talking yesterday and just thinking about all the, the different ways that and all the different things that God has been teaching us this season that God has been doing in us and in our family and marriage and personal lives and in our souls and and just looking back and saying, wow, this is all a direct product of this happening. Well, God, that's one small, tiny purpose of God, but there's a million purposes of God. And it's always a call for us to put our faith and trust in him that God has that overarching perspective, sovereign view and in control of everything and everyone that and all that's happening in the world. And so be encouraged today, Four Oaks, be encouraged today, Christian. God is doing many things. And as he tells Habakkuk, even if I told you what they were, Habakkuk, you would never, it would blow your mind. You would never, you would never understand and so we put our trust in God because He is the sovereign King. Let's pray, Lord. Thanks for this time. Thanks for uh, jump-starting our our time, our week, this season into the Book of Matthew. And Lord, let us um, sift on it. Let it. Let it. We want to marinate in it. We want it to permeate our souls to feed us. And so, Lord, thank you for this time. We pray that you would bless us in the coming days as we. Go through this book together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, same time, same station, tomorrow at 8 a.m., Matthew 2. Read it, listen to it on your Dwell audio app. Hope you guys have a great day. See you tomorrow.